this morning, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And as you do so, we have a special video presentation about a nephew. You know those nephews or uncles that you have that aren't necessarily by blood, but you're that close, right? This is my nephew, Micah, and um, the child of the miraculous child of uh, my best friend, Kelly, who's a pastor in Benicia, and, uh, and his wife, Jennifer. So let's, let's watch this, and then we'll get into the Word. Don't say my life's a tragedy or some horrible mistake. It has been ordained by God for His own holy sake. He made me for a reason that human eyes cannot see. He planned my life in detail. He knows my destiny. So our precious boy Micah was born seemingly normal. Um, he was born healthy, big, strong. We took him home. But within a few short weeks, we knew that something was really wrong. Um, we realized that Micah had a, has a very rare form of epilepsy um, that is not curable and is really not treatable. And so they told us that he wouldn't even live to be a year old. Jeremiah 1.5 starts with the words, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. The world would have us believe that a handicapped child has no worth. But the Lord, the creator of all things, says differently. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Micah is uh, a constant reminder of the value of life and the importance of life itself. Micah is a gift. He's a gift to us um, from God. Handicapped children really are, in a sense, especially like this, um, the promoters of unconditional love. One of the things that's become really significant in our family's life is that before Micah was born, he chose his name, Micah, which means who is like the Lord. Um, and we chose Micah 6-8 to be his life verse, even before he was born. Micah was named after a prophet. Micah's life verses is um, to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. And the thing that God has shown us is that we learn those things because of Micah. Other people learn those things because of Micah. And Micah still, without walking, without acting, without speaking, influences people for God's kingdom and God's glory in a very powerful and significant way. My thoughts were that God heal Micah. I had questions as to why God would give this child to one of his servants. This is what God has taught me over the years. The trials in our lives are not always just for us. Many times they are to help someone else. God really used him um, for me to even more look at life in its simplicity. Seeing him smile when I walk into the room or talking to him and he and I get some uh, emotional reactions. So it's really awesome and I think it's something special that I would never have if it was anyone else. Humility through Michael, Michael, what it truly means to be humble. Um, and God is still 
building that character trait in me of humility. I had never really been around a lot of disabled children, and so um, he just taught me a lot about compassion and um, just the differences that God gives us and how we can use those um, to serve Him. He taught me how to look at the simple things in life. Having Micah be a part of their family and our church family and our family personally has impacted us all for good. We have become more loving and patient and understanding as a result. Thought of the scriptures, first where Jesus says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto us, unto me. And that's what, you know, when we love Micah, we're loving Jesus. And I, I think seeing Micah's life, seeing how people interact with Micah, and seeing how the passions have taken Micah in, and um, it's really been a different way and how I see God's purpose and plan just for everyone in general. Um, and the last thing I, I think that as a church that he taught us was to share. That each of us, as, I, as I've been uh, gifted with some abilities to nurse, I've been able to share my gifts and talents with him, and he shares with us. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Every child is a gift and a gift from the Lord. You see how God has used my life each and every day to touch the lives of so many others in his own miraculous way. Don't say my life's a tragedy or some horrible mistake. It has been ordained by God for his own holy sake. Let's pray and we'll hear a little bit about Micah's story and how that relates to us in this room today. Let's dedicate our hearts to the Lord in this time. Father, lead us through your Holy Spirit and through your word. Open our hearts, open our minds, engage with us and equip us that we may be filled with wonder. Thank you, Father. To you be the glory. Amen. You know, Micah brings up an interesting challenge for us. And as I was preparing this week for this message, I knew where we were going. And in some ways, I was preparing months ago for this message. Uh, I have a rose sitting over here uh, that is representative. And you see a lot of different flowers in our room. And as we start to prepare to talk about healing someone miraculously, it opens up a huge set of questions. Does it not? Think about the one thief on the cross who said, if you're truly God, then what? Then do this. This is always the rub. This is always the rub. Many of you know David and Sujana Yarlagata. Many of you know CJ. Many of you are his teachers. And many of you have had the privilege of meeting little precious Eliana. Don't know that I've met a child. I, I swear to you, there were times where I thought they were giving her a little bit of the helium gas because on, like non-stop, that girl's face was just so happy. Eliana passed away this past Wednesday at 13 months of age. Actually, it, it, was, it was Tuesday. Or, or Wednesday. Um, and so what do you do? What do you say to a family? 
How do you preach this message? How, what do you say to Jennifer and Kelly Patchen, who every day life is a challenge for their son, and we will be out having dinner somewhere, and Micah will have one of his seizures. By the way, Micah would have upwards of, of 30 to 80 seizures a day. And they've categorized eight different kinds of seizures. So when you see your baby scream the way that he screams, and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing doctors can do. Did you hear that Jennifer said that Micah shouldn't have lived past his first year? He's about to be 13. He is a miracle. Now the obvious question, the obvious challenge for some of us is a miracle to what level? Micah cannot move. Micah cannot speak. And yet there are times where Micah smiles. You heard his brother Blake talk about it. But where is the healing for Micah? Where was the healing for the Yarlagadas? For their daughter? You see, I play sports a particular way. I don't play sports to win. I play sports honestly. And that's why I always, always lose. <laughs> right? Like when I started playing basketball in college, I, don't, I, I never played basketball in my life. So the only thing I knew was watching James Worthy from the Lakers. So I tried to develop that. That works for James Worthy. It does not work for Jeremy Cook. But I would keep going to that over and over and over. Because I was emulating what I saw. And, and, you know, I wasn't having a lot of success, but you know what was in my mind is, but this is the way to do it. Sure, right now my golf game may not be, I may be, you know, 80 strokes above you, but eventually, because I'm learning the game the right way, eventually you won't be able to touch me because I'll get it so good. That day hasn't come yet? <laughs> hasn't come yet. But I like being honest. I like addressing the elephants in the room. And as we get into this passage today, my friends, this is reality. This is what I hear in the private counseling sessions. Pastor, you speak about all these great things that happened and, and all these miraculous things and these healings, and yet my kid was not healed. My mom was not spared from dying from cancer. What about that? Here's what I assume. That's all of us in the room. So let's speak to that. Let's speak to that today. And I will simply go to the end of the story. You see, the end of the story today in verse 10 is, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Now Micah may not be healed, but Micah wasn't supposed to live. So Micah's a miracle. Do you understand that? Eliana... The chances for her, and you hear it in, in Sujana's testimony, they were, they were advised to abort the baby. And yet, if you ever had the chance to hold that precious child, right? You see, sometimes we classify miracles the wrong way. Let me read the text this morning. And then we'll break it down. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was, carried, was being carried, 
whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Wow, how do we unpack this in eight minutes? Well, we're speaking about miracles, so let's see what happens. So this morning, we're talking about being filled with wonder. I read the passage already, but let's, let's just start with what is a miracle, shall we? Some of you have the disadvantage of being taught by certain evangelical scholars that miracles currently do not happen. It was all for a time of signs and wonders with the first church. They're partially right. There was a time with the first church, and we just saw it where we saw the miraculous happen. But the miracles of God have not ceased. Can I just encourage you on that? The miracles of God have not ceased. I've got ten miracles lit behind me you're going to see some quotes, and one of those quotes reflects that a miracle happens anytime someone comes to the Lord. Anytime someone gives up themselves and their own, their own life to follow a life pursuing Christ, that is miraculous. That is an impossible thing by our own strength and by our own nature. Impossible. I've got ten miracles lit behind me. So we kind of need to look at what is miraculous, don't we? So let's define it. What is a miracle? Well, Micah is a miracle. Micah is a miracle. And many of us may say, well, come on, Pastor. There's a lot of disabled kids. There's only one other child that exists that is old as Micah, and he's nowhere close to the level of health that Micah is. In the entire world, every day is a challenge. If Micah gets a cold, chances go up exponentially that he will die. And I can't tell you how often those patchens are sick. So Micah is around a lot of colds. Micah's a miracle. But let's not take my word for it. Let's go to Google. What does miracle mean according to Google? A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be a work of divine agency. I like that. That's not half bad, Google. Right? That's not half bad. Alexa, tell me what... uh, Really? Nothing? I didn't get anything on Alexa? Maybe I should have said Siri. Oh, there you go. Okay. Siri, what does Wayne Grudem say? We may define a miracle as follows. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which He arouses people's what? Awe and wonder and bears witness to Himself. I love this. 
You see, miracles happened under Jesus' hand during His ministry to bring the attention to God. It was, and, and the others were the benefactors. Right? What happened as a result for this lame man? He did what? He walked. He danced. He jumped all over the place. He's screaming and he's praising God, right? Remember ten lepers? Now there's these ten lepers that are doomed to a life of suffering and eventual death. And what does Christ do? He heals them. Because they asked. It's a key point. Because they asked. How many lepers thanked Him? One. And yet we have no record, no recollection of the other nine losing their healing. That's called grace. That's called grace. But that story was written in, it was infused into Scripture that we might give glory to whom? To God. This is why miracles exist. Now, why is Micah a miracle? Did you hear the testimony upon testimony about how Micah's life is helping others see Him and see God through Him? This is how a miracle works. It's exactly how this miracle worked. And it's exactly what, what Grudem says. It says, God's activity in which He arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to Himself. And that's exactly what happened here. It says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. How many of you came to Christ because of a miracle? Now, if you came to Christ, it was a miracle. But some of us, people have seen a change, and and we sang a song with the band as an outro. You didn't even notice it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Probably four weeks ago, and it's a song written by The Call, and it's called What's Happened to You. And it's about someone who went through this transformation of coming to Christ and how their life completely changed and they run into a person they knew years prior. And the person's just standing there saying, what happened to you? You used to be this. You used to be this. He says, I don't know what's happened. Oh, but I like what I see. You see, that's why God does miracles. We sometimes look at miracles as It's all about just doing what we request. And so if we look at it that way, then we've got a problem. We've got an issue because we don't always get that request answered, do we? Not the way we would would ask. Now let's explore that a little bit. So miracles are divine designs. Now I've got the ladies' attention. Right, ladies? Divine design. That started it all years ago on TLC. So verses 1 and 2 speak to the fact that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Some fascinating history, history buffs. The the Jewish people would pray three times a day. They would pray at 9 a.m., they would pray at 3 p.m., and they would pray at sunset. And so Peter and John are heading to the temple for prayers. Interesting idea, the church is now suddenly formed. They've got over 3,000 there. And yet, where are Peter and John going? Ah, they're going to the temple. You see, the early church did not evacuate the temple. They did not evacuate the synagogues. They were preaching Christ in those areas that were still hostile to Christ. That's why you're going to see all these interactions coming up. And so they didn't give up on prayer. They didn't give up on some of those traditions. They went to the same places, but they got it aligned correctly. So they're going up 
at 3 in the afternoon. And they go up through what's called the beautiful gate at the temple. And they run into a person that had been placed there. And it says that he was put there daily. Right? He was put there daily. And he's been lame his whole life. He can't walk. And so he's relegated to what? Simply begging. This individual is a typology of who we are, brothers and sisters. There is no hope for this man to make a living. There is no hope for this man to find worth in a job somewhere. There is no hope for this man uh, in certain senses to accomplish this or accomplish that. He is at the mercy of somebody coming along and providing for him. Do you get it? We are lame. We are lost in our sins and we have no power to come to heaven and come to God unless Jesus passes by and we reach out and we speak. And that's exactly what this man does. Peter and John are going through the beautiful gate. Now this gate was called beautiful for a reason. It was one of the main entrances and it was just above the area of commerce. And, And so they're walking through this area and he says, now picture this, He's laying on a mat. He can't do anything. And he's been doing this daily for who knows how long. And he's subject to anybody responding. That's the only way he survives. It's the only way he survives. Chances are pretty good he's not looking them in the eye. Now, what should be playing in our head is those experiences we have with people who are on the street who can't take care of themselves who can't handle things, who for this reason or that reason, and folks, I already know where your minds have gone because that's where my mind goes all the time. But let me just tell you and share with you that regardless of how we feel a person should get up and do something to care for themselves and earn it like we're earning it, there are those who are lame and just can't get it done. I worked down on the streets of Hollywood for eight months with a place called My Friend's Place that was an outreach to teens on the street. I can tell you after eight months of working there, sin is so prevalent and sin is so destructive. Having that conversation of why don't you get your life together and make a life for yourself is pointless. It's po- it would be like you turning to the lame man laying down there and he's obviously lame and saying, um, no, I'm not going to give you anything. You need to get up and earn it. And so many of those who would come through the door of our center or when we were out in the streets when we were out in the alleys, they wouldn't look you in the eyes. And that's what was going on here. How do we know that? Because of what Peter said. He said, look at me. Look at me. And so Peter and John gave this man like 300 denarii. And he was able to hire some guys to carry him around all Jerusalem for three months. He got this great place in a youth hostel just outside Jaffa Gate. Had some nice fresh air blowing in off the Mediterranean. Oh, it was beautiful. He got fresh fruit, melons, and, and hummus. All the hummus flowed. It was incredible. Had all that going for three months. 
all the melon he could, he could get. But he still had to get hauled around. And he still suffered the pain. And after that three months, it was all over. It was gone. It was done. That's how the story went, right? You heard the same story I heard. You see, here's part of the challenge when you work down in a, in a center. Is it just like the church? Every other center has an opinion how, how you're doing it wrong. You know, every other nonprofit group says, oh, you know, this is wrong or that's wrong or this is wrong. And, and so many people come out and, and share about, you know, we just need to go and be Christ and just provide the need. We don't have to preach Christ. I agree. We need to be Christ. And you heard me read the passage out of James this morning, didn't you? Don't say be warm and filled. You need to take care of their needs. What does it say? Whatever you did for the least of, the, of these, you did for me. Correct? But that's not what John and Peter did. They said, look at me. Now what a tragedy if they'd given him just a couple coins when God had intended something very different. Now I'm going to blow your minds. By the way, that was a little quick commentary saying this. Let me give some, some cement to that. When you encounter someone who's in need, you need to just pray about what is it that God would have you do in that moment. It's implied here that God gave them this moment. Christ gave them this moment to do this particular miracle for this person so that people would be filled with awe and wonder. I'm going to prove that point in just a second. In the meantime, we can reach out with the love of Christ and encourage people. And when we put ourselves in the pathway of what God is doing, sometimes we will see those miracles happen and they'll happen around us. Amen? The greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make that man holy and put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. If your 12-year-old can say that, we'll give him a star on a map somewhere. So mind-blower, this guy's being laid daily. He's being laid daily. When we put ourselves in the pathway of God, miracles can and will happen. You may be sitting here today saying, wait a minute, I've never had something like what, what Peter and John did. I have. Now, I've never spoken to somebody who's lame and can't walk. I've, I, I've prayed over Micah and nothing happened. So maybe I don't have enough faith, right? Because in your life group notes, you'll see this. You're going to go into the Gospels and you're going to see how Jesus approaches this. His disciples go out and, and, and do their ministry and He's given them the, the ability to do certain things. And, and now they're back home with Jesus and this man walks up and he's got this son who's demon-possessed and he's throwing himself in the fire and so on and so forth. It's not going well, right? And so the guy walks up to Jesus and he said, could you do something for my kid here? Uh, I went to your posse here and they're kind of worthless. They really couldn't pull it off. Oh, thanks for that vote of confidence. Thanks a lot. And so Jesus heals him, casts out the demon. And now, if you're one of those disciples, what's going to happen when everybody, when the crowds dissipate? Uh, okay, so you know that was humiliating. And is this how it's going to be the rest of the time? Because if it is, we need to talk. You know, I need some assurances. You said we could do this. You said this is going to happen. 
And now we just got faced and everybody in Christendom is going to hear about it for the rest of history. Thanks a lot, Jesus. And they say, why couldn't we? And do you remember his response? There's a twofold response. One is what? This requires much faith. You'll see that in, in, in the Mark passage. But later on, in, in, in one of the other synoptics, you see him say, and requires prayer. You have to have prayer. Folks, if we're not praying for miracles to happen, we're not putting ourselves in the pathway of God. Do you understand that? And God has His timing. God has His place. And here's the fascinating part about this story. Remember, how often was this poor soul laid at the beautiful gate? Every day. Is this, is this a one-year-old baby? Probably not a five-year-old. Probably not even a 12-year-old. But let's just say that he's 13 years old. Let's just start there, 13 years old. Who, now help me out, help me out here. Who would have walked by him all the time? Starts with a J, ends with an S. Jesus! In the Passion Week, he went in and out of the temple every day. Who would have he walked right by? The lame man. Oh, wait a minute. Sherlock, what's going on here? You see, God has His timing. Eliana's passing this week, it's in God's timing. It's in God's timing. And it will yield its own response and people will be filled with awe and wonder. And if you were here Wednesday for that service, you were filled with awe and wonder as Sujana and David shared, saying, that is supernatural strength. I don't, I don't understand it. I was filled with awe and wonder. When you meet Micah and you realize what's missing, but yet who he is, and you can see him smile, how often are you smiling throughout the day? Micah sits in one spot. His spine, until last year, went like this. Because he's constantly sitting like this. He's had a, a, a huge, almost like a Frankenstein, Kelly calls it a Frankenstein spinal straightening, and he's gotten massive pins put all through. Can you imagine the pain? And Micah smiles. Filled with awe and wonder. Jesus walked right on by. Right on by. Right on by. Because there was a time for this man to become that which showed people that God was very much in charge. And He would use Peter and John in His perfect plan, in His perfect time. Divine designs. It was by no mistake that John and Peter went to the temple at 3 p.m. in the afternoon that day. They had a divine appointment. They put themselves in the pathway of God. When we do that, we put ourselves in a pathway to receive blessings and to see miracles and to see God's hand at work. And I just simply say this. Many of you know what this means. 
If you're visiting today, oh no, I'm not throwing it back there. This stays right here. It's never leaving. And so many of you are like sitting out, okay, what's the big deal? You're right. You guys are like, what's the big deal with the ball? Okay, this ball, this ball has a miraculous story. I don't have time to tell it. But it ends with me on TV praying to heaven, holding this ball, saying I was the Prius happy moment of the ball game participant. And it went all over the nation. And I have a video of me catching this ball, and it pretty much holds right to how I tell the story. See, the only time, we, we have a little thing here where we go to a Oakland A's versus Los Angeles of Anaheim of Orange County District Angels, my team. And we have a real good time because what we do in that, that time, in that moment, is we all go down and there's 60 to 80 people that are rooting for the A's from the church and then there's me. Right? And so everybody has a good time but me. And, uh, you know, here's the fascinating thing is that the last time we went was when, we, when I got this ball. And I'm not that much into baseball. But when Mike Trout comes to the plate, I'm into baseball. First time ever. This was a miracle. First time ever we got our money in for these tickets before anybody else. We were the first ones to get our money in because we were leaving on vacation. I come back, there's no tickets for us. They oversold the thing. And I'm sitting here having this little Jonah moment. I'm like, God, really? Come on. I got my ticket. I'm never going to be administratively uh, on top of things ever again. If this is the way things go down, you know, forget it. And so the, the gentleman who was on, on top of this whole event, he went and purchased a couple tickets off StubHub, and he was going to sit in those spots away from the church. I said, no, 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 you know, I'll sit there. Janina and I will sit there, and you go be with the church. So the entire 80 people are up like two sections above us, and I'm on this railing actually kind of pretty close to the field. I'm thinking, kind of stinks that I don't get to be with my church family, but these aren't bad seats. You know, that's pretty good. And then Mike Trout comes to the plate in the sixth inning and he hits a foul ball off of John Lester. And that ball is not traveling anywhere close to me. I mean, it is in perspective to right field versus left field, but it's heading at least 40 feet to the right. And it hits the ground. And all of a sudden, the Lord sends it. Yes, that's right. I said the Lord. <laughs> The Lord sends it on a trajectory that's a newfound trajectory. And He says, get up, rise up and walk and catch. Right? And here comes this ball and it's coming. And I'm like having this conversation with him. No, 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 what, what? No, no, no. And, and then in my mind I'm thinking, this could ruin my life. If this ball actually comes to me and I could catch it and I don't catch it, Janine's going to move out. It's not going to work out well, and it keeps coming closer. And I literally start praying. And that ball landed in a place where only I could have caught it. And I watch it on the video, and it plays out exactly like I'm telling it. And like, it just comes in, and like a thousand angels just lightly bring it. And it just it hesitated for a moment. Oh, and then just went, I am yours. And then I turned around and acted like a three-year-old. Yes, yes. And it's really great when you watch it on video. There's this kid that was behind me. I had no idea. And he had a glove and he had a ball. 
And so he was coming over behind me to catch it. I never saw this until I watched the video. And then he acts like he caught the ball. And I'm like doing this, and he's like standing up going like this. The cameras go to the kid. Thought the kid caught the ball the entire time. And then you're watching this kid. Everybody thinks I caught the ball. No, I got the ball. I was in a position to receive something that was, in my book, miraculous. I never thought I'd catch a ball by Mike Trout. Ever. This is a silly little story. But I'll finish today with one that really plays to this point. Second point. Miracles are a divine dialogue. Verses 3-6. through So Peter and John engage. What happened? What was the first thing that happened? The lame man did what? He asked for help. How many of us have people around us all day long asking for help? In some form or another. And we tell ourselves, I can't really do anything for you. I just don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have this. Oh, that we might be bold enough to get outside of the framework of what we can do. It is implied here, I don't know that it happened, but it is implied here that somehow Peter understood that this was a moment that they were supposed to reach out and say what they said. Now, they didn't go off some script you know, that, that had been newly written. They had seen Christ do this over and over and over. They had been given the promises that they would be continuing in that. And so they knew that that was part of what God had given to them. The Holy Spirit had now come. So it all fit within the package of understanding what is true and what is right about God. But I believe that the Holy Spirit informed them because they passed a lot of people, but they didn't heal everybody. But for this time, it was God's time for this person so that people would be filled with awe and wonder. And so what happened? There was a dialogue. The man asked, and what was the next thing that happened? You know, when we find someone in need, could we please just say, look at me. Look at me. And could we please engage spiritually rather than just look at our resources, our limitations? Because Kelly and Jennifer look at what Micah requires. They can't do it. On a daily basis, they turn to the Lord and say, you need to provide that we might be able to help our son. And they would say we wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. We wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I encourage you, understand that miracles are divine dialogue. They are divine dialogue. I was out hiking with some friends one time when I was in college and, and it was spring and it hadn't rained for a long time in Los Angeles. And so we went to, you know, just actually about three, four miles away from the school that I was at was a nature preserve and we were hiking through there and, and there was kind of this dried up waterfall and it was about 50, 55 feet high. And, you know, we tried going up around the side and there's a tree that's about 25 feet away from the center of the waterfall. And that was kind of like the last spot that you kind of really could get ease of access to get to the top. But I wasn't having any of it because I worked in the climbing department at Sports Chalet, right? 
you know, you're supposed to have ropes and things like that, okay? I didn't have that. And so, you know, I'd gone bouldering once. I had some climbing shoes. I wasn't wearing them. And I thought, I'm like Jacques whatever, the climber of all things. So I just pushed it. And I thought, I'll, I'll do this. I can do this. And I did it. I got to the top. I made it. And nobody else made it. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm pretty excited about this. And so I'm like, I even like, was like, thank you, God. Right? And I get up there and I'm seeing all this stuff that nobody else can see. And there's actually a little water running right through the middle of the, of the thing that goes over this little waterfall. Just a trickle. But there was a bunch of moss. And it was really pretty. And so I, you know, I was kind of walking through it. Not a good idea. I was walking through the moss and getting my feet wet and all this stuff. And then I came to the realization, what goes up must what? Come down. And so it's time to go. I've seen all, there was Bambi. Yay, that was fun. And now I'm coming down and, and I'm looking at the waterfall and I'm looking down and there's like, you know, there's like three foot, four foot high boulders and sharp pointy boulders. And then there's my two friends. And they're looking up at me and they're like, dude, how are you going to get down? And I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get down. And so I, uh, I try to start to go down this waterfall and I'm trying to inch down like this. And that, this tree is over like 20, 25 feet this way. And, I start, and I'm praying. I'm praying a lot. And I take one more step because I think, okay, there's one little notch that I can get on. And the moss on my feet let my feet slide out. And the last thing I remember in the midst of praying was looking at my friend's eyeballs. And both of them were standing below me about 30, 35 feet and their eyes were just like this. And I kid you not, I bounced sideways into the tree. I'm not sure I would be here based off of those circumstances if I had fallen all the way. And, and if I had and landed on those rocks, I'm not sure I could preach to you right now. My friend said, literally, I just kind of went this way on the cliff and they have no explanation as to why. Trust me, I had a divine dialogue the minute I started to slip and fall. Brothers and sisters, when we start to slip and fall, have a divine dialogue. Ask God for help, just like the lame man did. Just like the lame man did. Lastly, miracles are divine declarations. Verse 7 through 10. When we see miracles happen, we see people ask about God. So, what happens? Peter and John tell this man, get up, stand up. And immediately he was healed and strengthened in his ankles and his legs. And he stands up and he starts what? Starts praising God and dancing, right? And so he does all this and it's incredible. And what's it say the end result was? People all around were filled with awe and wonder. And because of that, they wanted to know who was Peter? Who was John? What were they saying? And what was the impact and significance of that? You see, it gave credence to the message of Christ. People wanted to know this power. Brothers and sisters, that happens here. Are miracles real? Yes. They happen all around us. Not catching a baseball. Not catching a baseball. But let me just share in closing, next week we have baptism. It will be the first baptism ever in this building. And we're, we're so excited about it. And if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today and you have not yet been baptized, you call me this week. And, and let's talk. Right? But here's the great thing about that baptismal. We're getting ready for this big celebration in the fall, this jubilee. And it costs a lot of money, but 
We didn't use the, the general fund for that. God provided this money through supernatural means and just great process and, and some good planning as well. And we were able to do some incredible things that went way beyond our abilities, but I wouldn't call those miracles. But then somewhere in there, the Lord put it in my mind about, wouldn't it be great at our 50-year celebration if we had a baptism here? And, and I remembered that they make these portable baptisms now, or baptismals. So I started researching it. And, and, and the best that we could do without buying something that's going to break in two years is going to cost $3,000. So I didn't really talk to, to anybody about it because I, I didn't want to pressure anybody, and I just started laying it before the Lord. Divine dialogue, right? And so what happened? I just kept praying. And a month before the Jubilee, there's an individual, a saint from this church that had been part of our, 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 our church body for years, decades, that passed away and went to be with the Lord. And the family sent a gift from this individual. Totally unexpected. We don't, we don't, we don't do that with our, our members and for funerals and things like that. But they said, look, this church meant so much to my mom. So we thought we would give you a gift. We felt led by the Lord to give you a gift. The baptismal cost $3,000. I want you just to guess exactly what the gift was. $3,000. When you see that baptismal next week, it's an extension of process that reflects souls that are changed. But the ability to acquire it came by the hand of God. Now that's just a plastic thing. The real miracle is what's in it. The real miracle is what's in it. Let me encourage you that the purpose of miracles, and they're still going on all around us, is not to rely on our own strength. Peter and John didn't rely on their own strength but to meet the need through God's supernatural hand to have that divine appointment, to have that divine dialogue that ensues with a divine declaration where God is given praise. And many of us have come to the Lord because we've heard those stories and it made us pursue Christ. Be here next week. Bring some people so they hear those stories about the miraculous happening in people's lives. Let me dismiss you this morning. Thank you for being here, and I pray that you were encouraged. And I expect you to walk around this week having a divine dialogue and see what God does in, through, and around you. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, to you be the glory in all things. Continue to work in our midst. Help us to understand that sometimes it's frustrating as to why we don't see all things come together the way we wish they could. Why can't Micah be healed permanently? Why was Eliana only here for 13 months? It leaves us with these gigantic questions, but I'm sure, Lord, that the, the layman, as he saw Jesus walk by him every day, knowing that he had healed others, why not him? You have your time. You have your purposes. And you carry them out perfectly so that as we see those things happen in their perfect timing, 
we are filled with awe and wonder. Thank you, Lord. Walk with us this week. Bless our giving. Bless our offerings as we bring those to you today. Use them for your glory, for your ministry. Use them to change people's lives for the better. We commit all this to you in this week. To your glory. Amen.